Your stories don't define you. How you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker of Elkins Consulting. Many of my clients reach out to me because they're in transition. Their children are hitting milestone ages. They want more from their work. They're hitting a big number birthday. And they want to develop clarity about their natural strengths, what their next adventure might look like. In this series, you'll hear me ask my guests questions to dig deeply into the stories that shaped their lives, stories that uncover patterns and may unveil insights into dissatisfaction and also where their strengths lie and where they found and continue to find joy. This podcast's intention is to have listeners think of their own related stories and how they tell them, discovering the internal messages that are limiting their success and discovering how to shift their stories so they become positive life lessons to move them forward. If you're curious about what it would be like to work with me, visit elkinsconsulting.com and schedule a one-time 90-minute StrengthsFinder session. Well, our listeners know that I love to have personal referrals and introductions to bring people onto this podcast, and this is absolutely no exception. My brother, Eric Elkins, introduced me to Abil Beckford, and um, she's up in Toronto, Canada, And I know our listeners are just going to find this conversation insightful and funny and inspiring. So Avil, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So as I kind of warned you, I always ask my guests to share something about themselves that most people might not know about them. Do you have something in your head? I thought about it and I kept on thinking about it. And a few things popped into my head. One of them was that I studied computer science, but I never worked in it. So that's one thing. And then I've lived in three countries. I I lived in the U.S., specifically New York, for almost two years. I've lived in Canada, in Calgary and Toronto. And of course, I'm from, I was born in Jamaica. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, I think I knew that you had lived in New York City for a little while from our first conversation. But computer science, wow, that is something that catches me a little bit off guard, just having spent a few minutes with you (laughs) talking about books and reading and people and how much you enjoy people. So that leads me right into kind of a segue here. Why computer science? Was it something that somebody else suggested you do? Yes, it was kind of one of those things I had done before I left Jamaica for courses. And you never want to let anything go to waste. So I continued with that. And then I decided I didn't want to work in computer science. And then once again, I didn't want it to go to waste. So I studied management information systems. And I still have a work. To- Do you think that you've used those experiences, though, in your current work? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because one of the things that was always drilled into our heads with computer science was always like when you're going to do something for a client, you're always supposed to reinterpret what the client says to you so that you're on the right track. Because Mm. a lot of time what the client says, and I think the mean is not necessarily how it's communicated to you. So that has served me well. And then in computer science, there is this command, if then, and you see that all over the place. So, oh, yes. And the one that I, I still use how many years later, garbage in, garbage out. So <laughs> in the context of reading, I'll say to people, right, if you want to benefit from your learning, 
You need to look at the kinds of books you're feeding your mind with garbage in, garbage out. No kidding. No kidding. It's interesting though. I, as much as I agree because of current events and what people are ingesting in terms of content and what's coming out of their mouths as a result and their behaviors. And at the same time, um, I, I just like most people, I grew up not understanding what bias and judgment was necessarily. I didn't think I was being judgmental. I didn't think I was being biased until I worked at a local library here in town. And there was a woman who would come to check out books and she'd check out a stack of romance paperback novels every week. Mm-hmm. And she'd go through the whole thing, the whole stack and come back and get another one the next week. And I was kind of surprised because she seemed very bright and warm. And I thought, why is she reading what I considered garbage? So I guess that's where I'm going with this is what garbage is kind of a <laughs> an interesting word when it comes to reading because it's so subjective. And I actually kept recommending certain books to her. Like I had just read a really good biography of Ruth Reichel, a, a food editor, a food writer for the New York Times and other famous publications. And I recommended it to her and she says, thank you. And then she keeps checking out all these romance novels. And then I recommended Ahab's daughter or what, Ahab's, Ahab's wife, I think is what it was. And another really interesting, fun fiction novel that I thought would appeal to her. And she said, that's great. Thank you. And at some point I said, I'm so curious about why you read all these romance novels. And she said, I've had a really rough life in the last few years. I lost my husband. He passed away and this is my escape. And I remember thinking I was being so judgmental about what she was reading. And I was just so glad she was reading. Yeah, I totally get it because that's absolutely true. I have uh, friends who are maybe high-powered lawyers and whatever, and the job is just stressful. So Mm -hmm. they're like a nice chick flick because it's escape, right? And a lot of people read these kinds of books because of the pandemic. It's been tough on all of us. Like Mm -hmm. I read everything, I love a good romance novel. I do read, no, I read everything. I read sci-fi. I've forced myself to do that. And it's interesting we're having this conversation because I've learned so much from fiction. Mm-hmm. Because uh, mm-hmm. I look at books a little bit differently than most people. So most people just read the books and so forth, instead of fiction. Like I actually look at the characters and the life they lead. Well, what do they do in their lives in this book? And sometimes you can learn really good things. Like uh, one of my favorite books now, the uh, the lead character is an assassin. That's oh. not a word. That's not a word for the profession. But I admire his uh, his brains. So the reason why he's the <laughs> top assassin in the world is that preparation. He studies his craft, and also he talks about going on Duolingo and speaking with natives so he can get the accent if he has to go to a foreign country. And he's always learning all these things. So for me, I strip away what he does for a living. And he has a code of conduct. So he won't kill women. He won't kill children. And he, so I'm getting into this. But it's interesting just pulling away what he does for a living and then look at his 
code of conduct. Mm-hmm. So it makes and him I, a far more complex character. You can't just make a decision about who he is off of one decision, off of one data point. You're collecting all these different pieces of him to, to better understand the complexity of his character. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I think there have been four to five books so far in the series, and I've read all of them. Wow. And I'm so wow. bad that, you know, let's say, so I always pre-order them. And I know that at midnight, the book is going to be in my Kindle. And wow. I wait for that book to drop and I'll read it and then go to my bed. <laughs> I love it. Well, this leads me to two, two different questions. First, let's share with the audience what you do, the, the kind of consulting and, and work that you do, the services that you provide. So we give a little context for why we're talking so much about reading and books and all of the things we get out of reading, regardless of the genre or the, the method. Okay, so I finally settled on three distinct things that I do. So we'll put them in three buckets. So the first one is that I have a podcast called One Problem. So all of these are related because they're all about learning. So my guests come on, they present a problem and they have six minutes to provide their solution. And there's no money in it. It's just my contribution. It's a way for us to learn from each other. So that's pocket one. Pocket two is that I have finally changed the language. So the tagline is reimagining how leaders read books. So so essentially, I... Let me repeat that. Reimagining how leaders read books. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. So essentially, I teach leaders to read in such a way that will shave hours off their reading time. So it's about leadership reading. That's the, the term they use. So you're reading to learn what you need to know. And most of the time, when you go to a nonfiction book, you have questions you want to answer or you have a problem you want to solve. And I want to give you a statistic for your listeners. Someone did a study of decades ago, actually, Russell Stouffer. And he found that on the average page of a nonfiction book, only 4 to 11% of the text carries meaning. 4 to 11%. That's Ouch. one sentence. So the training that I, I, I do... They figure out it's just in time. So they figure out where in the book to go to get what they want, whether it's the solution to a problem or answers to the questions. So once they find what they need, they're done. And also a big focus is on application. Mm. So the third pocket is that I have a membership site. It's called The Art of Learning. Now, on that site, I have what's called bookish notes. So a bookish note has some book summaries, part of a book summary, but it has discussion questions. I love to group books together because I always say to my clients and my readers, because I have a blog, that when you want to learn a topic, you can't just read one book. You need to read at least five books to gain perspective. So I also have a section called Avil's Musing, where I rant about something or just share my wisdom. 
And then what I do to make it interesting, I combine the bookish notes based on themes to form a course. So when you take that, you will have like at least 10 different perspectives. So you can form your own opinion. Like too many people, they do not think critically. They just accept what people say to them. Mm -hmm. So now I put them in the situation where you have to decide. Here are 10 different perspectives. You may see some similarities. You may see things that are at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. What are you going to believe? Wow. I love that idea. I love that idea. And I have so many friends that are readers like that, that they just consume so much information. And I think having a, a tool like that to say, I want to learn more about change and transformation, restructuring. What books do I read over restructuring a, an organization and, and managing change in an organization? And I could see something like my friend Jeff Eichler wrote a book about shifting and it was fantastic. And I would want to read that because I know him and I know he's just brilliant. But having three or four other books that talk about the same concepts, but have different approaches could really make it so that what you present to your organization as a consultant or as an internal change manager or innovation, being able to present something, a a more unique perspective based on what you've learned from five or six different people, different books, and then making it really applied to your own concern, your your own organization. Well, that's brilliant. I love that idea. Yeah. And and there's something else I want to add. So even though you want to learn this topic, you need to step into other industries. Don't stay in your silo. Let me give you a concrete example. So I have this membership site that I mentioned, and I want to learn how to grow my subscribe account. So I decided I'm going to read books on membership and subscriptions. So what I did, taking my own advice. So I've read a book on subscription boxes. I'm not going to be sending out any boxes. I'm up. But you know something? I got some unique things, right? Then I read about gym membership. Am I going to open a gym? No, but I just want to see what they do to keep their members. What tools they use and what doesn't work. Exactly. And now I'm reading about association membership. And I'm getting all this rich information. So I'm going to be reading about 15 books. I think I've knocked off 10 already. And then what I want to do, I want to come up with a strategy based on what would make sense for me, because all the information doesn't make sense. But every one of those books, you can get at least five good nuggets that would work for me. Mm -hmm. It's about personally growing, providing value. And I'm certainly getting that from those books. And that's another reason why you need to read more than one book. Absolutely. Yes. I love that. And this brings us back to the beginning of the conversation. The idea of garbage in, garbage out in books really has to be taken with a a different perspective. It has to be, well, what do you consider garbage versus what do I consider garbage? Mm -hmm. And then it also has to 
be about um, being intentional about why you're reading something. Anything is garbage in if you're reading it for the purpose of confirming a bias, right? Anything is going to be garbage in if you're reading it to make yourself feel better about something that um, you're not taking responsibility for. Then it, it's it's garbage going in and it's going to be garbage coming out. But when we go into it with intention, we can learn from anything we read, even if it's something highly biased on a, a news platform. I sometimes will go to a news platform that I know to be highly biased just out of curiosity to see what other people on that from that other perspective are listening to and watching and ingesting because I find that really fascinating, curious about it. So it would be garbage coming in if I was just confirming a bias. What I also have to say that I didn't mention, one of the things I teach people and I write about it all the time on my blog is that before you take up any book, you need to have a purpose for reading it. Now, I don't know if you know that book, How to Read a Book by Mortimer Adler. No. They say there are three reasons for reading. Entertainment, information, and to further your knowledge on a topic. So before you read, you need to be clear of the reason why you're reading the book. If it's escape, that's fine. Okay, so mm -hmm. just be clear, you always have a purpose. That makes sense. That Well, and that fits right in. So I'm curious, you've obviously always been a reader, right? Since you were a little girl. What was one of the first books that you read that really, when you think about your early books, what's one that you read that inspires you still? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I remember I read Heidi. I read so many of those books. I would just devour them. So I was just thinking yesterday that I also read this book, uh, maybe when I was 10 or so, The White Witch of Rose Hall. I remember because, hearing about that. Yeah. So it's, it's based on a true story. So there was this woman who had three husbands and they lived in Rose Hall in Montego Bay and all of them died. And the story was that she killed them. <laughs> so I, I just purchased that book again because I wanted to refresh my memory. I did this two weeks ago. And it was so interesting because I went to, I've been to Rose Hall hoping that I would hear or see the witch because <laughs> I claim that it's haunted. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So that 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 was one. But for me, I loved comics. I used to love Archie. Mm -hmm. So and it's interesting because some of the more well-known books, I didn't have access to them in Jamaica. And it's within the last 10 years that I read them. So mom died. I decided that to heal my heart, I'm going to do something that brings me joy. So I created a reading challenge where I was reading the world. And I was reading books like Pinocchio. I'd read that before, but um, The Given Tree. Mm -hmm. So I've, I was reading books like those that I never had access to. And it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the children's books, I read them in the last 10 years, just because people kept on talking about them and I had never read them. So yeah, so that was Aww. pretty good. 
That's a great answer. That's totally unexpected to me. I hadn't thought about the fact that you wouldn't have access to the more, I don't know, well-known books, children's books and young adult books from growing up in Jamaica. And it's especially interesting to me because I was not really a reader as a kid. I remember starting to be interested in reading for entertainment when my brother introduced me to the Stephen King novels, really scary books. I read Carrie. I read Christine. They were scary and I loved them. And then I read a book by Anya Seton called Green Darkness. And it's a romance novel, but it had a storyline that I could really enjoy and get into. And it's in three parts. And the first part is in current present time. The second part is when they go into the past lives of the people in the, the first part. So it's reincarnation and stories of connections across reincarnated lives. And I remember just thinking that magical idea of connection was really cool. So that was really my intro to reading for pleasure because I hadn't really been into that. And then I worked at a local library here in Helena, Montana at the circulation desk when my boys were little. Mm-hmm. And I checked out every different book. I started reading biographies. I started reading nonfiction that I never had interest in before because I had access to everything. So for Mm -hmm. you to say, suddenly the last 10 years, you had access to all these books and you started devouring them. I started listening to a lot of juvenile and young adult books on CD because I would go on road trips with our boys. And that's Mm -hmm. how I was introduced to the magic of young adult and juvenile literature that were novels, not picture books. So I love that you said that. And Pinocchio was the first one that popped into your head as you said that. And The Giving Tree, Mm -hmm. which I have rethought. I used to love that book. I don't like it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Because when you think about the message, yeah. Oh, oh, I know. It makes me vomit a little in my mouth now that I think about it. But at the time, I could relate. But When you think of those children's books and how they brought you comfort um, in your grief for your mother, do you remember one in particular that was, I don't know, something that you still hold with you? Okay, so I wasn't just reading children's books. I was reading other books. The thing, the important thing was paying attention to authors from other countries who Mm -hmm. are different from you. So the two books that really stood out for me that impacted me have nothing to do with children's books. So one of them was The Dew Breaker by Edwidge Dantecat. I think she's originally from Haiti. And uh, it's just one sentence that stood out for me. And it's something that people told me. So when my mom died, Her friends were with her. They were taking her to the hospital and she died before she got into the car. And in that one book, The Deal Breaker, there was a scene where friends were sitting with this person who had just died. Mm. And my mom's in Jamaica. I'm here. And based on the stories that people told me that brought me comfort that she wasn't alone. Mm. And they said they were toasting her and saying that Eileen. Okay, so they went into the fridge 
and they have this thing called sorrel. It's a drink that's popular in Jamaica, especially during Christmas time. Very apropos. Mm-hmm. And they were drinking it. So they were toasting her and said, Eileen fed us in life and now she's feeding us in death. So that triggered that memory for me. And then the other one, the coroner's lunch. So <laughs> this guy is set in Laos. So they were setting uh, him up to fail. And they gave him this position that he was not qualified for. He was trained to be a doctor, a medical doctor. He was marginal at best. So they appointed him to do autopsies. <laughs> I just he couldn't thought kill anybody. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so then they were hoping that he would fail. And he was determined that he wasn't going to fail. And he found some old manual that explains you what to do. And it's, he has a manual and he's looking at it while he's doing this autopsy. <laughs> That's <laughs> how he's learning. And you know something, he became very good at it. And I'm thinking, so how many times we get placed in a situation, whether we get placed there to fail or we're placed in the situation because someone see us and think we can grow. Yes. Oh, I just got a chill. Yeah. And and what you do is you set your mind to succeed. And even though all the resources are not there for you, you make do with what you have. And then you just start one foot in front of the other. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a big believer in that. That sounds great. It reminds me of a lot of my jobs over the years, <laughs> being in a position where I wasn't necessarily fully qualified and then just kind of figuring it out. Wow. Well, so Avia, when you think about your work with clients, with executives wanting to learn, do you have a particular client in your head when you think about who you want to work with? So uh, let me back up a little bit. When I was working with a business coach, trying to better define my services a while back, one of the things she said was, who is a client that you really enjoyed working with or are currently enjoying working with? Why do you enjoy them? What is it about them? What are their characteristics? And we uncovered a particular type of person, an avatar for me to start messaging toward. And honestly... I was kind of combining two or three of my favorite clients over the last five years to come up with this particular avatar. Do you have one or two that pop into your head that you could share a little bit about? Yes. So I'm basing this off some of the people that have taken the training and it tends to be a small business owner and a vice president and above. It's interesting because the trainings that we have done, mostly men. So that's interesting. So for me, for things to go smoothly, I want people who would actually try the methodology. They'll use that to read the books. They'll do the homework. You have to do the work if you want results. We haven't gotten to the point yet in uh, 
history <laughs> where we can download all the information into our brain without reading. And yes, we we're kind of, yeah, that might be a little bit of overload. Yeah. So, and speaking of that, you have to read a book called Game Changer. Game it's Changer. it's um, fiction, but my God, that book was so good. And it was about the downloading the information into someone's brain. And what was interesting, the question came up. So who gets to decide who will get you know, who the, the information will be down there, downloaded into? And there's all these ethical <laughs> issues that arose. So, so that was pretty good. So in terms of client, if you want to work with me, you got to do the work. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you're not going to you're going to spend a lot less time. So instead of spending like eight hours reading a book, you can spend anywhere from one and a half to two hours, sometimes in as little as 30 minutes, because based on the statistic I gave you and not book, all books are created equally. So right. you have to think about the actual book that you're you're reading, because some of them I want to give an example. So I bought this book and I remember it's an ebook, and I spent twenty dollars US on this ebook. And uh, all I needed was the concluding chapter. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. At first, I was a little bit upset. And then I had to stop myself. Why are you upset? You got exactly what you needed. All, it, all you needed was the last chapter. They pulled it together and there was no fluff in it. It's worth the money because yeah. you would have paid $20 just for that last chapter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So do you have a client that you're working with now that you can kind of tell his story? Well, not right now, but I have a couple of stories to tell. So I was talking to someone. She is the CEO of a woman's organization. So we're just having a casual chat. It wasn't about business or anything. So she was saying to me that they started a book club for the staff and they promptly stopped because they couldn't focus. There was so much information that wasn't relevant. So I'm a member of that association and I have been for a while. And I thought, you know, I'd give back to them. So I said, I'm going to train you. And I trained them on it and they couldn't believe it. That's awesome. I, I said, all you need, I said, we all have to change our definition of what it means to read a book. If you have a purpose, then you're on track. And we went through everything and now they're reading differently. So if they want to, they can start their book club again because they're not going to lack focus. And I talk to people all the time and the three main reasons why they never achieve their reading goal, not enough time, lack of focus, and don't remember what they learn. Mm. And uh, with the train that I give, it removes all those barriers because I'm big on application. When I go through the training with my clients, I like when they come with a problem at hand, okay? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to read to find a solution and then they apply it. Because It's I very all, practical. Yeah, You're not I reading say, for the sake of reading. Exactly. I say to people, like not reading a book and applying the ideas is like spending all day in the kitchen cooking a five-course meal and not eating it. I can really relate to that. And when I say that, they get it. They totally get it. Right. 
Right. You spend all this time. There are some books. It's interesting because when I worked at the library and I started just reading whatever was tickling my fancy, the purpose was simply just to read things that were interesting to me (laughs) for information. That would have been your second category, reading Mm -hmm. for information. And I remember there was a point where I was reading a book that I really didn't like. I had gotten, I don't know, a couple chapters into it and it was fiction. I wasn't reading it for the purpose of gleaning anything in particular. I just, people had said it was a great book. And after the second chapter, I thought, I am not wasting my time reading this. And I remember this vividly because I was laying in bed at the time and I put the book down to return it back to the library, put it in the return pile. And I said to my husband, oh my gosh, I finally feel like a grown-up reader. He said, what do you mean? I said, I am choosing not to finish a book. I've always finished books that I started. And now I'm realizing I don't need to waste my time on a book I don't like. It just doesn't make any sense. And what you're saying is that is right. If you're reading a book that isn't serving the purpose that you bought it for, don't waste your time and energy. Put it aside. Exactly. exactly. And it may fit the bill later on. I'm not suggesting Mm -hmm. getting rid of it or that it's a bad book. But in that moment, for the problem that you're trying to solve, put it down, walk away, get something that does serve the purpose. And another thing that we need to talk about, sometimes you're not ready for the content in the book. Mm -hmm. It may be a few years down the road. Think and Grow Rich. Everybody was talking about it. I read it. Couldn't finish it. And then several years later, when I was ready for it, I read it. I still don't think it's the best book I've ever read because people say that, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I love that you just brought that up because I was reading Atomic Habits early Mm -hmm. and I was like, "Mm, no, because I couldn't see how it applied to my strengths because I'm a StrengthsFinder coach. And Mm -hmm. with adaptability and activator in my top talents, I have a really hard time with habits and routines. I just, and when I try to put in a habit, something like when I was trying to finish my book and I tried really hard to create a habit around writing, it was like sucking my soul out of my body. It was miserable. And I tried, I really tried. And one of the things that I realized was that when I did get myself to do this routine, I wasn't inspired and my Mm -hmm. writing wasn't inspired. So when I first started to read the book, I was like, no, this really doesn't apply to me. But then a year later, when my son recommended it, he's 20 and very entrepreneurial. And he said, Mm -hmm. mom, you you need to read this book. I said, well, I started it. He's try again. Don't read the intro. It's really boring. Just start in chapter one. And I was like, okay. So I started it. And I remember suddenly realizing, oh, this is how I can apply these concepts but using strategies that work with my strengths. Mm -hmm. But you're right. And I love that. That's so important. I want to tell you a quick story about an epic fail with reading. Yes, please. I like those. Okay. So (laughs) I've been reading, coming across this thing called parallel reading. So essentially what it is reading multiple books at the same time. I tried this several times didn't work because I end up not finishing them because I'm the kind of person you read one book, you're finishing it, go on to the next. Okay. So I decide to do this reading challenge and some other people are joining me and Sarah, I was so stressed. Oh. I started overthinking it 
And you're going to think this is really funny. So there were five books. Okay. You overthinking? No way. <laughs> I said, okay. So with this one, do I read like 20%, shift to another one, 20%, shift to another And I'm trying to figure out how to That's make it. That's going to be my strategy here. <laughs> and my God, it didn't work. I read fewer books than I was accustomed to. It was... The exercise was an epic fail. Mm-hmm. I had to just read them one by one. So I just call it a day. I just couldn't do it. It's not for me. It just goes to show that different strategies work for different people. And I, when I was working at the library, I would have four, five books going at the same time. I'd have one in my locker at work or two in my locker at work. I'd have a couple on my bedside table. I had one in the car for when I was stopping and waiting for boys to get in or out of the car from carpool. Mm-hmm. I, I would be reading all of them at the same time and I could keep them straight, but they weren't, the intention wasn't to learn from them specifically. Like I wasn't digging for information. They were almost all novels. So fiction, but yeah, I would, and people would say, how can you read so many books at the same time? Don't you get lost? Don't you mix up the characters? I'm like, nope. <laughs> yeah and there's some people I respect that's what they do and I think the reason why I tried it was that um they're saying that's one of the techniques to read more books oh I read more mm-hmm. books than most people to begin with so you don't need I another really have I shouldn't really have done that but I was so stressed out it created so much stress <laughs> in my life I'm so glad you tried it though I mean that's it's brilliant really yeah, because if you didn't at least try it, you'd wonder. And I bombed. <laughs> you bombed. <laughs> but well, I learned lessons. I think we all have a few. Time and finish. We all that have works a few. For you, yeah. Of those failure stories, I, like when I was trying to finish my book and I was trying to get into a habit, and that all my friends and family and all of their kindness and thoughtfulness were sending me articles about how to write your book, and every single one of them was like establish a routine, sit in the same spot every day, same amount of time with your cat and your tea. And oh my gosh, that didn't work for me. So that was my epic failure. So I Mm -hmm. completely understand how that can happen. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. Well, Avil, if you could um, share with our audience ways for them to get in touch with you with ways to follow your blog. And don't worry, listeners, I will have all these links in the blog post associated with the podcast at elkinsconsulting.com. But let's go ahead and have Avil tell us how to reach her. Okay, so my website is, it's easy to remember, The Invisible Mentor. And by the way, An Invisible Mentor is a leader you can learn from by observing them from a distance. So you, Sarah, could have a a lot of invisible mentors. You're reading the books, learning from this person. They don't know that they're mentoring you. And I'm on all social media platforms and I'm easy to find because my username is just Avil Beckford. So if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn and said you listen to the podcast, reach out to me. I'm on Instagram. So it's easy. I don't Great. have any fancy handles. It's just Avil Beckford everywhere. Avil Beckford. Okay. Which is spelled exactly as you would think, listeners. A-V-I-L-B-E-C-K-F-O-R-D. Yeah. Pretty, pretty phonetic, phonetically spelled. 
<laughs> I like that. That makes it easy. Avil, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Your stories don't define you. How you tell them will. And you have been such a, a joy to just sit here and visit with. So thank you. Thank you. I love um, conversations like these that are not scripted, that end up wherever they need to be to end up. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you. Thank you so much. Are you ready to start your story portfolio so you have the right story ready to share when the opportunity presents itself? When you're ready to get started, my book, Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will, is available in all the regular places, and the audiobook version is available on Google Play and on my website, elkinsconsulting.com. As a special bonus for listeners, the audiobook includes two songs recorded by my band, Spare Change, in my living room in Montana. Also on my website is a free podcast interview checklist. It's available to download to make sure you make the most out of your next podcast interview. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to rate the podcast and leave a review and let me know that you've done it so I can thank you properly. Thank you.